Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to another episode of May Contain Traces of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a plant-based, low-waste lifestyle. I am your host, Rochelle, and if you're new around here, hello, welcome to the podcast. Really psyched to have you listening today. If you're a regular listener, welcome back, soybeans. So glad that you guys keep coming back each week to check out the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you are new around here, you won't know this, but we do do shout outs on this show. So that's something where you, the listener, can get in touch with us and you can suggest topics that you would like covered or questions that you want answered and we'll do a shout out for you on the next show. You can hit us up on Instagram. We are Make Contain Traces of Soy or on Facebook. Um, and if you are enjoying this, the show and you would like to boost us and support us a little bit, you can share a screenshot of yourself listening to today's episode to socials and tag us at Make a Ten Traces of Soy. We'll definitely share it to our account. Or you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. That really helps to push the podcast up there so that more people see it and hopefully spread that non-judgmental vegan message. All right, guys. Totally psyched to have you guys on board for today's episode. I have Daniel joining me again, my partner, Daniel Johnson. Say howdy. Hello. How's it going? Mm, that's good. I'm glad that you're here. Um, we wanted to talk about something today because we were discussing this just between the two of us the other day, and I was like, this is an interesting episode for people to hear about, and I think it's something that a lot of people will be interested in, especially people who maybe are not vegan or they are plant-based or they are thinking about going vegan, so... Yeah, this is a really interesting topic uh, because it is a bit of a gray area. So today we're going to be talking about whether or not a vegan can ethically go to a zoo. Now, the reason why there is so much controversy around zoos, I mean, it's because, you know, you've got animals in captivity. That's obviously an issue. Um, But it's more broadly sort of talking about the complex issues with some of those zoos and with some of those aquariums and places where they're, you know, hanging on to exotic animals, they're not caring for them properly, that kind of stuff. So we're going to get into that today and we're going to discuss all the gray areas around conservation that different zoos do and the role that they might have to play in this larger narrative and this larger non-vegan world that we live in and those kinds of issues. So we're going to get into all of that today. But I'm really psyched to have Daniel here with me for this podcast. We're actually having a glass of Devil's Corner Sab Blanc, which is a vegan wine. Um, if you haven't checked them out, definitely try it out. We love a Devil's Corner, don't we, babe? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a good Tassie wine. And hmm. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to be a little bit parochial. That's it. 
So yeah, we're um we're going to be talking about the zoo issue today. Now, let's start off firstly talking about um the the actual definition of veganism uh, according to the vegan society. So the definition of veganism according to the vegan society is a philosophy and way of living that seeks to exclude as far as practical and possible the exploitation of animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose. So on face value, you can see quite logically that it would not be a vegan ethical choice to attend and support a zoo because zoos are exploiting animals for entertainment and for profit. Mm. But this is where it gets a little bit more complicated because we don't live in a entirely vegan world and we have already, we've come in and with our speciesism and with, you know, our, like with our whole approach to the world and to society, what, what humans have done is basically made it impossible for some of these species to survive without human support and without human interference. So without the conservation efforts of some of these zoos, especially around um, trying to prevent the extinction of, you know, critically uh, endangered species, we might not have some of these animals in the world anymore. And that's what makes this a gray area because I feel as though... There was a time only a few years ago, but definitely going back to, you know, sort of like the Victorian era of menageries and places like that. Menageries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All of those kinds of places and pleasure gardens and zoos and stuff where it was these animals that these exotic animals that weren't from this climate being put into these cages and not being properly looked after. But the way that zoos operate now, especially here in Australia, and I can't say all of them, but like some of them for sure, is so much more focused on that conservation and on the welfare of the animals that they have there. So it's a little bit more complicated because it's not so cut and dry anymore. Daniel, what are your feelings about this? Well, I, for the most part, especially zoos that have a good conservation record and the proprietors are doing it for the right reasons they're not doing it to i mean the prime example i could pull out is tasmania zoo down here not far from us in in just outside of launceston and i mean they've they've been struggling since since covid hit and they are part of breeding programs they've got they actually when i was working at my last job got to go out there and meet a couple of giraffes that, that have moved down here and the way they keep them they they live in a heated environment and they're part of um, breeding programs. A lot of the animals they've got there, for example, they've got um, an African painted um, dog there that's part of a, a breeding program. And apparently, there are only seven thousand of those left. And they've got Tasmanian devils there that, um, and I, I think that might be part of a, a a breeding program with them as well. And um, as probably a lot of people might know, they've got the facial tumor um, disease that the Tasmanian devils. So. I think without places like that that are doing it for the right reasons, um, then the longevity of some of these animals, you know, yeah, they, they might not be there in a few years' time. And, I mean, that's that's sad in, in itself. But, um, yeah, I, I think in Australia, we, it's, it's not like... It's not like Joe Exotic or something where there's these, you <laughs> yeah. know, where, where people are really doing it for... for um, 
entertainment, as you say. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, is, is it entertainment mm. or is it just for people to observe? And it's, you know, you're not mm. going to get to see these animals in. in sure. In I'm hearing what you're saying about that. But, you know, you make the point that you think um, in Australia we do it less for entertainment and we're a little bit more appropriate in the way that we handle animals. And, you know, it's less of that kind of performance thing. But. Places like SeaWorld in Australia are still pretty fucking bad, aren't they? I mean, like, SeaWorld here, they have the dolphin shows, you know. they Like, that's very much performance. They let people pat the dolphins. Also not something we should really be doing. It's complicated, though, because these animals have been bred in captivity and because, you know, you can't release an animal that's been bred in captivity into the wild again. That's not going to work. Well, also in the case of SeaWorld on the Gold Coast here... Um, Look, I, I'll, I've been there, especially as a kid. I, I went there a, a bit, I suppose, because we didn't live too far from there. And, um, I, you know, lived in Brisbane and it was somewhere we'd probably go once every year or two as a kid. Yeah. But um, that's also a grey area because, yeah, look, on, on as, as you say, the fact that they're making dolphins jump through, you know, hoops. Literal and, hoops, and, yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> quite literally jump through hoops. Sure, I... I yeah, I... And they're living in pools and whatnot. But, I mean, I, I don't think it's the same, to the same degree as um, some of the the water, some of the, you know, large aquariums in other parts of the world. But I, I guess I don't really know that much to be, uh, to, you know, make a judgment one way or the other mm. on, 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 the, on the quality of SeaWorld here. Um, Specifically on SeaWorld, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and say that without having a full knowledge of of their practices there. But um, something I do know is that uh, Trevor Long, who's, I think, their chief marine biologist, they also, and I guess this is where it gets a bit tricky as well, like they have such an infrastructure there with, with a lot of vets and really qualified people. And so if there are migrating whales that get caught in shark nets off the Gold Coast... They can help them. They, they, yeah. they, they often go out there and help them and they're there to, you know, if um, animals get struck by by boat propellers or they're damaged. They've got large wildlife hospitals and they do rehabilitate them and then release them again. And um, the same goes for Australia Zoo uh, on the Sunshine Coast, you know, the one that, that Steve Irwin made um, famous, the, the Irwin family's, family's zoo. Um, they've got a large wildlife hospital where they look after a lot of koalas. And I guess without those um, institutions being there, without like... Mm without the zoos or the, um, you know, they are there as tourist attractions as well. Mm. But if they weren't there, um, would they, ha- would, would a lot of those animals that are getting struck by cars and, um, or, or boats or, or whatnot, perhaps not have the, that expert veterinary, um, skill around to help them. Yes. Yes. It's so, a very yeah, good point. Know. It's complicated though, because it's, um, it's one of these things where, unfortunately, for there to be the existence of a collection of specialists and veterinary hospitals where they can assist wildlife, where they can do more complicated things like that, like saving whales who are getting caught in fishing nets and, you know, dealing with and saving and supporting local wildlife, it does need to make money. That's the hard part as well, is that these organizations do need to have 
a profit otherwise there's no way like you need a business model you can't just be doing it for nothing and it attracts the high-end talent because it has the dollars to pay it and i would say that if you are you know a specialist veterinary scientist you would think that you care a lot about animals but i mean the thing is there's a difference of ethical opinions with a lot of people who work in these areas because Obviously, as vegans, we don't think that it's ethical to use animals for things, to eat animals, for example, to use their, you know, skin for clothing. But there's a lot of vets who do still eat animals. They do still eat meat. They do still do this. So I don't think it's the animals that they're... No, it's... They're not like, oh, oh, this one didn't quite make it. Fire up the grill. No, it's not like that. (laughs) Guess I'm having turtle soup for dinner tonight. You know, I don't don't think that's what... Dude, that is not what I was saying, and you know it. But yeah, it's, um, it is a little bit more complicated because there's a difference of ethics, but it is a complicated ethical uh, quandary. One of the things that people often say in support of zoos on the side of like vegan arguments is that they are a place of education and conservation efforts. And without, you know, that education, you don't see people exposed to animals, understanding why we need to be worried about the environment and what's happening in endangered species and all this kind of thing. But at the same time, there are a lot of organizations, animal rights organizations, PETA, for example, that feels that this is basically a con- the conservation stuff is a bit of a con because they're really like they profit quite heavily off of the zoos. Obviously, they, the zoos do very, very well. It's not as though they're broke or anything. Um, um, I, don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. So the, the example I used before of the... The yeah, but you're zoo. talking about a tiny little zoo. Like it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable size zoo, but I mean, mm. they were um, they were hit really hard when COVID was, was, um, well, happened, yeah, and they were them, huh? crowdfunding for um, to to meet their food bills and everything. And the enclosures they have there, they are really spacious. Um, they seem really well looked after, and they have so many animals that are part of breeding programs that. Uh, and I mean. So, to my knowledge, a lot of Australian zoos seem to operate mm-hmm. that way. I think Australian zoos are different to overseas zoos partially because we actually have a governing body here that makes sure that those zoos meet certain requirements. So in Australia and New Zealand, there is something called the Zoo and Aquarium Association Accreditation. And it basically ensures that zoos and aquariums uh, go through a process to be given accreditation for meeting certain standards and that's for biodiversity, for conservation, for sustainability, but also for animal welfare, including nutrition, health, um, environment, behavior, and mental state, which is really important, obviously, because one of the things that they used to see in the zoos over in America, especially the more harsh ones where they weren't given enough room and stuff like that, like earlier on in the lifetime of zoos, was these animals just sort of going mad and rocking back and forth in place in their cages because they're not meant to be in such a small space and they go insane from it, basically. Like, animals do have serious mental health struggles as a result of being in zoos. So it's great that we have a governing body that actually does look into this and regulate it. But at the same time, that accreditation lasts three years, which means that they only need to make sure that they're meeting all the standards, you know, when that three-year mark comes around. And you can't be sure that they're keeping up those standards in the interim between. So that's, you know, another thing to be considered. But 
Yeah, there's. I feel as though zoos would not have gotten better had it not been for organizations like PETA and animal rights organizations pushing them so hard to do the right thing by animals. So as much mm. as I don't agree completely with a lot of what PETA does, I was say, yes. if you don't have that level of extremity, because they need to, it's a negotiation, isn't it? They need to say, we want all animals free and left alone. And then like the negotiation is, well, then we'll give them this minimum amount of comfort and, you know, care for their well-being because you have to kind of meet in the middle on things. So if they didn't ask for more extreme action, we wouldn't get the action that we have had that has led to change and reform for the way that zoos are handling animals and conservation. I feel as though in Australia we are fortunate and we do have zoos that perhaps do a little bit better than some of the zoos overseas. But even, you know, even now, like in Launceston, I think it's a bit strange that we still have over at the Gorge all of these peacocks um, because when they came down here and they established Launceston, they created a pleasure garden um, in, you know, where the Gorge is and they made these beautiful little structures and things. And they also brought over a bunch of peacocks and they were like, yep, this is important. We've got to have these here. It's a weird thing that they've done that. And it's a holdover from a different time where, you know, the speciesism of human beings was so rampant. They didn't care at all about the well-being of the animals around them. They were purely for their own entertainment. And we are past that to a degree now in that people do try and do a bare minimum to do the right thing by animals. Yeah, those peacocks, they seem pretty, um, I don't know, they, they don't seem like they're struggling at all, and they're thriving up there, I don't know, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird that they're there, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely weird. not their natural habitat, no. like, they're sort of hanging out with these, like, gigantic possums that seem to have, that don't really have much, many bigger predators here by the look of them, because, I don't know, they're larger than cats down here for some reason, and, um, <laughs> and there's... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, wallabies and these strange little native um, hen things. I, I know they they seem to be called turbo chickens by a lot of people. I don't know what they're actually... I probably should have done some research, but um, but it is very strange seeing these peacocks existing alongside all those animals. Mm. Um, but, look, those... I don't know how many generations uh, back the peacocks go or if these ones are, are direct descendants of the original peacocks that were brought to Cataract Gorge, but... They they are not they're not caged or anything. They're not in captivity. They seem pretty um they seem pretty happy at the gorge. I don't really I I, I can't really 
can't really fault the the situation with the peacocks then. Well, I don't know. I, I can't really interview them to ask them what their <laughs> thoughts are, and I don't know if they know any better. But I mean, they don't seem perturbed by humans. There's mm-hmm. plenty of foods and things that they seem to eat, and they just I don't know. They seem to pretty much run the show up there. Really, they you know. Mm, yeah, they do seem to do pretty well up there. It's. It's an interesting uh, and difficult kind of ethical question because I think for a lot of vegans that are quite, um, you know, passionate and quite uh, far into their journey of veganism, the answer is a 100% resounding no, they're not all right with zoos, they would never visit a zoo. Um, And then for some vegans, the answer is, you know, depending on the zoo, maybe they would, maybe they would go and visit one. I don't know. It's complicated. It's kind of a gray area for me. I think that there there is stuff that these zoos are doing that I don't think we would have the funding or the organization or effort put into place were it not for the existence of the zoos. So to give you an example of this, um, at Taronga Zoo, they have bred and released more than 50,000 animals into the wild. So they are doing breeding programs in order to save species that are close to extinct. And they're actually committed to protecting 10 critically endangered species from extinction over the next 10 years. Interestingly, Zoos Victoria, so that's the state of Victoria and Australia, Zoos Victoria and now has the tagline, um, I think it's something like committing to ending... In dan- oh no, saving saving from extinction basically, and their whole thing is about trying to save as many species from extinction as possible. They are protecting twenty seven critically endangered species over the next ten years. They've committed to try and keeping twenty seven critically endangered species alive. Now, as much as I think that we do need more of these places <coughs> that are, um, you know, more like our animal sanctuaries where we can support and look after animals that need that support. Those places run on a shoestring. They don't have, you know, the resources that zoos do, and they definitely don't have the access to research and to, you know, do this kind of work, this sort of conservation work, um, protecting critically endangered species. And we are not seeing that need being fulfilled by any other sector that without the financial incentive, I think that we would just have a lot of species just dying out if it wasn't for these zoos doing this. So I feel as though the gray area that is zoos is partly a result of we live in this non-vegan world. It's not like the world is vegan. We have created a world where these animals are almost extinct and without human intervention, we would just be losing, like animals would just be dying. So if you care about animals not going extinct you kind of have to yeah just let the zoos do that i mean who else is gonna do it you know what about the um what about the monkeys in one system what are your thoughts on the monkeys? oh man <laughs> okay so we should explain for the listeners because a lot of people will not know this because long is in the middle of nowhere and it's like you know it's not it's the second biggest oh, thing in tasmania yeah but in tasmania yeah. <laughs> and uh, i have listeners a lot of them overseas in europe in belgium in america you know, there's like most of my listeners. Okay, so there. for those so, that don't know, it's a, it's the it, 
We're we're living in Launceston, it's Tasmania. In the, the it's the second of, biggest yeah, city in, in Tasmania state. in Australia. So Tasmania is the tiny little island off the edge of Australia. It's not off the edge; it's down the bottom. It's down o- the bottom. Often left off maps. Yes, often forgotten, oft forgotten, and it's actually where they had the Tasmanian tiger who died in captivity as a result of them not thinking about his warmth and his comfort. And he, he was exposed to the elements he wasn't put inside for the night. And he died in the 1930s in Tasmania Zoo. So That wasn't in Tasmania Zoo, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, we are responsible. The zoos down here are responsible for the death of one of the most famous animals in the world, the Tasmanian tiger. Um, but, yes, we're in Launceston in Tasmania. And there is a park here, the city park, has this enclosure with monkeys? I, I just want. Um, so that wasn't that was a zoo down here. It was a what was called a zoo in the 1930s in yeah. Hobart. And yeah. just to be clear, it's, it's not Australia Zoo. It's, it's not, not Tasmania, Tasmania Zoo. The one zoo that I was that you, no, to no, no, obviously not that zoo. No, um, I just wanted to clarify. Well, in the 1930s, I don't think the zoo you're talking about existed as it is now. No, no. But so I just that's to. yeah. They they seem like a good zoo, and the the lady. Um, the woman who uh, now runs the zoo, Rochelle Penny. Um, her name's Rochelle? Her name's Rochelle. Guys, seems, I don't like this. No she, one else allowed to have my name. She seems really nice and like just someone who loves animals. And I, you know, she's def- she definitely wasn't, uh, I'm not entirely sure of her age, but she definitely wasn't around in 1936 when they are. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. basically, we'll, we'll get back to explaining about the monkeys now. So... In City Park down here, there is an enclosure where there is a collection of monkeys. Do you know what kind of monkeys they are? Um, I know that I've, like, obviously seen I monkeys. Like... They're just macaque Oh, macquart. M-A-C-A-Q-U-E. Macaque. Yeah, we'll look it up, guys. Um, I just, but, that's how you spell it. I don't know how you pronounce it. But. Yeah, so there is this type of monkeys that are from Japan, and there is a sister city to Launceston in Japan, and these monkeys were gifted to them. So there's this collection of monkeys that live and have lived for many, many years. They, more, than, more than 40 years, actually. More than 40 years. They breed and, you know, just keep living there in this enclosure, and they have a little area where they can go to at night and stuff. But the whole thing was designed quite a long time ago, and I don't know whether or not you would consider it by today's standards to be enough room or, you know, a reasonable and healthy living environment for them. It's weird, and it's very, very much, it kind of harkens back to the older days of zoos where they have this enclosure, but it is definitely not large enough, like, for the number of monkeys there. And you can just kind of walk along and look at them and it's like, well, this all seems a bit odd. I mean, I haven't done much research into what those sort of monkeys require and things, well, but it does, it rubs me the wrong way. I have to say, I don't think that that's a very ethical uh, situation for those captive monkeys. Do you know that the monkeys, side note here, the monkeys nearly um, were nearly put down uh, about a bit over 20 years oh ago Oh my now. God, why? Because um, I think apparently... Of the monkeys that came over from Japan, um, a a reasonable proportion of them were infected with herpes B, apparently. And um, so, yeah, in two thousand, um, they were very, they were very nearly um, all euthanized because. Oh my uh, God. Yeah, they. I, I think if it can be passed, if it's passed on to humans, it can be fatal. But it's actually pretty benign in the monkeys, apparently. But they were really um thinking about putting them putting the monkeys down Ooh. and um and but look the monkeys they they seem to be thriving now um yeah hashtag thriving yeah but uh 
Yeah, I don't know. There you go. There's mm. a... Yeah, it's um, it's a weird experience going to see the monkeys here. You don't have to pay or anything. They just exist um, in this little enclosure in the park. You can literally just walk through and have a look. There's not a lot of room. Um, and you just kind of, like, wander past. It's very, very odd. Um, I don't know of any other city in Australia that has just a monkey enclosure in the middle of its city park um, or any other kind of animal enclosure uh, other than actual zoos. I, it's weird. I've not seen it done before. No, I, I, Maybe I, I it's something like that's done overseas. Like you kind of like it. I, Daniel kind of likes the monkeys. Yeah, if ever I'm walking through the park, I'll go and say good day to the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a sign on the monkey enclosure that says, you know, if you lose anything in the enclosure, they, the staff are not responsible for it and they won't be getting it back for you, which makes us kind of wonder what have the monkeys done with things that have fallen into the enclosure and, like, do they get angry if you try and take it back from them? It's their iPhone 7 yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. But, um, well, it's probably yeah. the fact that, you know, um, maybe the keepers stay within... A decent arm's length of them because of the whole mm. them being disease ridden. Maybe that's yeah. the large part of it. Maybe that is a large part of it. But yeah, the the whole situation with the monkeys is interesting. Um, when getting back on track to talking about Sorry. zoos, uh, I was just going to say that there. Obviously, if you enjoy seeing animals, and who doesn't enjoy seeing animals? I'm not saying that uh, I don't like going to zoos, or I didn't used to like going to zoos when I was younger and stuff, and wasn't vegan. I definitely love seeing animals. I love interacting with animals. I think most people do. And being able to have a close interaction with animals like that can be very good for people who, you know, are, I guess, people who are not yet vegan or who haven't confronted and thought through some of their own personal cognitive biases about, you know, and cognitive dis dissonance about um, what it is to eat meat, what it is to support industries that hurt animals. So in that way, I think that that and um, education that they do in a lot of those zoos where they explain the different types of animals and what's going wrong in the world for them, why we need to put more money towards conservation efforts, things like that. All of that has a place in the world, and I think that it is important. But if you do want to see animals and you want to support organizations that are a little bit more ethical, you can look into going to see some of the animal sanctuaries. There are a lot of them around Australia and you can usually, they'll have rules for it, but you can usually pay a donation to come and visit at the animal sanctuary. They'll just have different rules about how the animals um, interact and behave and what you should and shouldn't do. They won't sort of let you do anything that's going to, not be good for the animals so you know there won't be any holding of koalas there won't be any padding of dolphins this is stuff that we really shouldn't be doing anyway and i think it's great that those uh sanctuaries exist but like i was saying they do not have the bankroll to attract the kind of talent or to support some of the more important research and conservation efforts that the bigger zoos do it's interesting you say that because i can think i won't name them but of at least a couple of places that are called sanctuary, like it's actually in their name, that do let you hold koalas. Well, I mean, I'm not... Those aren't real sanctuaries. I'm talking about actual, like, you know, you surrender animals here. 
like those sorts of animal sanctuaries. Um, I'm going to include a list in the show notes, guys, so you'll be able to go check that out. Um, and this list actually came from, I think it was the PETA website. But yeah, I will have some interesting um, bits and pieces that you'll be able to check out in today's show notes in regards to some of the statistics that have been pulled here. Um, and yes, some other stuff to go and look at if you are interested in exploring this gray area issue a little bit more. Now, I may get quite a bit of hate for this episode. We shall see. We shall see what happens on social media. I'm fortunate in that a lot of people who follow me are either not yet vegan or they are plant-based. So a lot of people are at the beginning of their journey and I get less um, kind of angry vegan responses from other vegans. And do not, um, do not... <laughs> Do not worry. It is something that definitely happens. Don't think that just being vegan uh, protects you from that. It definitely doesn't. There's so much infighting in the vegan community that can be incredibly frustrating to deal with. And there is so much, you know, whataboutisms and um, like, yeah, more vegan than now kind of stuff that happens. So whenever a controversial issue like this comes up, whenever people talk about whether or not their pet is vegan in vegan groups, that shit goes off. It is like insane and ridiculous and it's so intense. Um, I really don't want to deal with any of it. I really hope I don't get any hate uh, for this online, but we shall see. I will update you guys on my stories on Instagram this week if I do receive any comments or any, uh, yeah, craziness from people out there. So let's see what happens. Um, but thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode. We don't have a definitive answer here. Uh, the only answer we have is this is the gray area and we are still undecided about our feelings um, on it. So, you know what? Something you might be able to put in the show notes as well, actually. I just noticed doing a quick Google that um, a friend of ours, uh, shout out to Beck Pridham if she uh, might be listening, but um, one of my former colleagues from The Examiner has uh, written a bit of an explainer. Why are there monkeys in the middle of Launceston City Park that was just published a few days ago? Oh. Um, Beautiful. Uh, you know, it's 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 part of ACM. I, 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 I'm not sure if it was um, it's it's in the can it was you, in their voices of real Australia anyway. Yeah, yeah, grab me that link and send yeah. it to me, guys. We're going to have a link for that, and we would like to give a shout out to Beck. And if you'd like to find Beck online on Instagram and go follow her, she is on there. I can't on there, <laughs> we're going to drop her handle in the show notes just as a little shout out because what a queen, what an amazing queen. Um, I think Beck is Beck's vegan, isn't she? She is, yeah. Yeah. What about vegan friends down here, guys? All right. She's got an explainer uh, article there about, yeah, the, the monkeys Gives you a bit in of the a, park. Bit of background Get a the monkeys bit of background there. on that. So we're going to drop that in the show notes. And yeah, we will have a few other resources there for you guys to check out. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for joining us um, on the podcast this week. If you are enjoying the podcast and you want to help us out, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a little rating or review. That does really help to push the podcast up there so that more people can check it out and, yeah, just spread that non-judgmental vegan message. If you would like us to answer any questions about today's episode, if you have any thoughts on it, please hit us up over on Instagram. We are at Traces of Soy. And you can also find us on Facebook, but we are not active on there compared with Insta. Okay, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode, guys. Make sure that you check out the YouTube channel this week as well. I'm not sure which video I'm putting out, but it might be a hair dye video. That's fun. Nothing to do with this week's podcast episode, but it's fun. Um, and we are doing weekly episodes now and weekly videos. So definitely make sure that you subscribe on YouTube and you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform 
so that you can check out the new episodes as they drop. Thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you in a week. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.